the iron podcast you know what that stands for industry rules of networking and this is about the trials and tribulations of an independent recording artist all right to whom it may concern i'm trying things a different way I've been doing a series called uh, Iron Industry Rules of Networking, and basically I'm I'm giving a rundown of the past 20 years of my journey as an independent uh, recording artist, <clears throat> and you can find the rest of the videos at industryrulesofnetworking.wordpress.com. Um, I've got, I believe I'm on my, this is the fourth installment and basically I'm just doing this live just to get it off my chest and I'll edit it later and post it, repost it on the blog. Let me see. But basically what it entails is, uh, the first video I gave an introduction. Uh, the second video, I basically went through the the first ten years, I believe, or so, of my journey as an independent recording artist. And then um, the second video, I, I mean, the third video, I went through the first half of the the uh, situation with IWG, Ironworkers Guild, which is a group I was a part of, one of the most, uh, probably one of my most uh, successful ventures in music besides Bedlam Brethren. And uh, that was basically, from, it was 2008 and 2009. It lasted two years. And this is a group that was composed of uh, nine members. Now, part of the, a few people left early. Uh, early on, when we when when it started, when they started realizing that I was real about it and it was serious, and we we're actually moving. See, a lot of people ahead of time, they will uh, they will say that they're dedicated, and they will uh, act like they're dedicated. But when they actually see that work is involved and things are moving, and it starts feeling uh, like it's real, I actually have to spend time doing this and I have to prove my worth and I have to have a work ethic, then people uh, fall by the wayside. So we had a couple people leave early on. But basically, I want to address a few things in this video. And this is, you know, it's a disclaimer. This is a disclaimer. This is just my perspective of uh, what I've been through and how things were handled by myself and others. And, uh, <clears throat> my viewpoints and my lessons that I derived from uh, from these particular incidents. Um, I'll start it out like this. Whenever you're dealing with a group of people, whether it be a, a sports team, a, uh, a music group, or a crew of workers, everyone has, to some degree, everyone has their own agendas, their own agenda. Some people make their agenda clearly known from the beginning, 
And those people tend to be, uh, I would say a lot of times that the leader or person that takes a leadership role would be one of the uh, foremost people that actually uh, identifies their agenda. They usually present it as an agenda for the group, and that's what I did in the situation of Iron Workers Guild. And then you have people <clears throat> that when they look at that main agenda that's supposed to cover the entire group, they pick and choose, well, you know, I kind of relate, you know, this looks like a good, you know, you choose, uh, pick and choose uh, whether or not certain aspects of that agenda apply to you and they would be worthwhile, worth your time. So if you evaluate that group uh, mission statement and you choose to align yourself with that group, then it is basically uh, you're required to abide by uh, the requirements of that, uh, of that group. With that being said, there are also members of any group, any crew of workers, any music group, any sports team that uh, have hidden agendas. There are people in certain groups that uh, never were really dedicated to the mission statement or the purpose of the group to begin with, and those people, uh, I classify them as opportunists, and I put them in a different uh, category than uh than artists. Now, don't get me wrong, artists have to seek opportunities. And uh, sometimes opportunists do have talent to a certain degree, uh, if you consider swindling people a talent. But I'm not just meaning just somebody that's looking for opportunities. We're all looking for opportunities. I mean someone that is basically not relying on their talent. They're relying on other aspects uh, to push themselves forward. See, I believe that uh, music should be somewhat like sports. And somewhat not not in the aspect of sports because once you get to a certain age in uh, sports they try to say that you're well physically you can't really play like you used to when you're younger but I think when it comes to music it's different because I think you actually get better with age because I think your creativity is fueled by life experiences and therefore when you're older you have more to say and and more intelligent things to say and you have wisdom to apply to what's being said so I think that you get like wine you get better with age as as artist or musician and I always use this uh, this uh, example of you never hear somebody saying oh man how old are you now 40 45 50 you still painting because you know that just sounds silly because you can paint you would think you know you can paint it's relaxing it's enjoyable it's artistic you think anybody at any age should be able to paint and that's true and to me you know rap or poetry or, or singing, I think that, you know, you should you should do that until you see uh, for yourself that you're no longer able to or interested in doing that. So basically that's I'm I'm not really for ageism. But uh in terms of opportunities, like opportunists, I believe that music, even though it's not this, I believe that music should be a meritocracy meaning that your ability and your talent is what uh, gives you your rank or gives you your importance. So living by your merit, and a lot of people in music live by other things than their merit or their talent or their abilities. Now, as far as the agendas go, one thing you have to be wary of if you're taking any type of leadership role in a group of people, in particular in music, is those hidden agendas, agendas that may run counter to your own group agenda and that's where conflict can arise and 
tying it back into my group, Iron Workers Guild, I think that this happened to a certain degree. Out of the gate, I always try to, when I'm dealing with groups of people, I always try to be concise and clear about what I'm trying to accomplish. And I try to give a, a general timeline. Uh, sometimes I even go as far as to actually type things up, print them out. Anyone that's worked with me, you can ask them. I've gone as far as uh, having videos, PDF documents, uh, printed forms. I try to uh, I try to make things easy uh, to digest for those uh, that are actually interacting with me in my group to know what I'm aiming for. And I'm always ready to answer questions. Now, one thing that I will say might be uh, considered maybe a mistake and maybe uh, not the best leadership quality, I might say, is the fact that I, sometimes I can be stubborn. If I if I spend long hours working on a plan and then uh, somebody's uh, ego or attitude might run counter to that plan without any information or without actually presenting an option or say someone might disagree with part of, of your plan of action, but yet they're not willing to present a uh, a counterpoint or present any example as to why or a better example. Basically, it's about complaining without uh, having any solution. It's like some people, I've had uh, arguments with people before about, well, if you don't vote, you don't have any right to complain about who's in office. Well, I mean, you can get into all these uh, gray areas of, you know, whether or not the voting system is, is accurate or, you know, and uh, voter fraud and all that. But the general concept of this uh, phrase or this situation is uh, you have to participate in order to be able to complain is what I'm saying. So therefore, and you have to present a solution. If you're not agreeing with, with what's already moving, then bring something else to the table. That's how a, a group works. It's about compromise, and it's about evaluating uh, each person's uh, uh, viewpoint to a certain degree. Now, in groups, you're going to have soldiers that are dedicated. And I will say out of the group of IWG Ironworkers Guild, I would say Science Born Mellow was more of a soldier. I would say my brother Relic, when I was doing IWG, was more of a soldier. Uh, I had a few people that were just pretty much in line. They knew they were in good hands when it came to me as far as the music goes. So they uh, they were willing to uh, basically let me take that leadership role. And uh, I could visibly see and I could tell, I consider myself a good judge of character that as time went by, there were certain people, uh, as time goes by, if you're in a group and that group starts seeing any level of success, you're going to notice the group overall is going to become more egotistical, which can turn into arrogance if not put into check. And individuals' egos sometimes supersede the group. So therefore, there might be particular individuals within your group of people. If your sports team starts winning games and uh, – and, uh, you start getting some notoriety, you start getting fans. If your uh, musical group starts doing shows, you start getting critical acclaim, you start getting rub elbows with people you look up to. Sometimes the ego can swell if not checked. And this sometimes might be detrimental to the team effort because uh, those aforementioned hidden agendas uh, 
combined with that swelling ego can create problems in terms of the uh, bigger picture of the team. So therefore, like I said before in one of my earlier videos, the uh, the mission statement kind of dissolves because uh, the hidden agendas start to uh, flourish due to certain people's uh, uh, arrogant viewpoint or egotistical uh, point of view. So anyway, let's get to specifics. This group called Iron Workers Guild consisted of nine people. Uh, Wooden Chains, a producer, Science Born, an MC, a man called Relic, that's my brother, an MC, Stone Messiah, another MC and producer, uh, The Problem, Big Pipe, Shake C, Sai Soze, and I believe that's everyone. The Problem was the first to go. Four of these guys were from Laporte, four of these guys were from Muncie. Well, five of them were from Muncie, four were from Laporte, so it was two different cities. This happened once again, 2008, 2009. We had did... Uh, we're in the process of doing shows with people like Killer Priest, Timbo King, uh, you know, Wu-Tang affiliates and stuff like that. Uh, who else do we perform with? Cannabis. And this was the time, important time, when we were working with a, a promoter uh, known as uh, M80, right? So the first person to go was the problem. He had some, he had some personal problems, no pun intended. So he decided to fall back. One of the second people to go was uh, Sia Soze, who had basically I had brought on board from a previous group I was working with, uh, the Cutthroats, back in 2007-2008, uh, when I was trying to do some uh, local stuff here in the small college town of Muncie, Indiana. And basically what happened is when it came to Sia Soze, we had did a uh, every year in Muncie they have something called Muncie Music Fest. It's a uh, pretty big downtown event. Uh, as the years went by, they started making it to where it happens in different venues and different locations. But early on, it was just an outdoor festival with multiple stages and uh, different genres of music, rock, hip hop, what have you. And we were like one of the premier uh, local acts that was actually journeying out and doing shows. And uh, throughout the state at that point in time. So uh, one one thing that kind of struck me as odd was we were performing at Muncie Music Fest and Sia Soze. This is before he left. I think this was actually the night he decided to leave the group. He uh, was visibly frustrated after our performance. And uh, I remember I had a a fifth of something, some kind of liquor. I had a backpack. I was walking around with a backpack. I used to wear a black hockey mask. So I had a black hockey mask on. I think it was over my head. And I had a backpack with like a fifth of, uh, I don't know, vodka or gin or something like that. I think it was clear liquor. I'm pretty sure it was. So we're swigging, you know, and he was visibly frustrated, upset. And he expressed to me that what he told me is, I have too much talent to only be getting three minutes per per show, per, per song, three minutes per show. Now, let me uh, reevaluate this for everyone that's uh, listening, you few people and those that might see this video later when I repost it. Um, there were eight of us at the time because the problem had already left. And... Uh, 
So you can only imagine uh, most hip hop shows we get 15 to 20 minute performance. So it's the music. The uh, time is going to be allotted according to, you know, who has uh, songs and we evaluate as a group which songs should go on the set. So of course nobody's going to get a huge amount of time when you're dealing with that many people. But the thing that really uh, really struck me was that out of this group, not to take anything away from me, any individual, but hands down. My opinion, hands down, my opinion was as artists, as performers, to me, the best ones in the group were myself, not to toot my own trumpet, my brother, a man called Relic, and Science Moore. To me, those were the three. We were the highlights. That's my personal opinion of the group as a whole. Out of all those nine people, the three uh, MVPs uh, of, of the crew were... Science Born, also known as TJ Hooks, also known as Mel Chapo the Monster, a man called Relic, AMCR, and myself, Merck Versus. Now, I don't think that anyone would disagree in that group, actually, at the time that that was the case. So I was kind of struck with uh, confusion, and I was slightly appalled that this suggestion was made that, you know, that this individual said he has so much talent. And basically, you're griping to me saying that basically you need more time on stage because you're, you're, you're wasting your time right now. So I, I kind of got offended by that, really, to be honest, because I'm looking at the group and I'm like, first of all, if anybody's time is being cut or should be mad about the time being cut, it should be myself and Science Born and a man called Relic because we, without a doubt, in my mind, were the, were the best ones in the group, the ones that carried the group as far as talent. That's not to take anything away from anyone else, but that's just my personal opinion. So from that point on, you start giving somebody side eye and you say, hmm, okay. I already knew uh, from knowing this person and the quality of this person's character that there were, that there were some hidden agendas because some people, think, some people think they're actually slicker and smarter than they actually are. So if you're a good judge of character, you can pick up on things that people say. They make little remarks. If you're real careful and observant about how people speak and you're good at evaluating uh, uh, the, the, uh, the nuances in people's uh, speech and movements, you can pick up on things. And I had already picked up on the fact that this particular individual was, uh, you know, had ulterior motives, basically, I'll say. So it was no surprise to me when he actually came out and said this, but I was still slightly offended by by the comment and this also ties into an earlier story that i'll get into since i'm talking about the fall of iwg previous to the iwg group iron workers guild there was a uh i was uh Sia Soze was a member of a group called the cutthroats which consisted of Sia Soze and whitehead two guys and they uh i basically invited them I would set up shows and we would go do shows together. I was the person that called and set up and had established a few connections and uh, we would basically tour together. Now, early on during this uh, connection that I made with them, uh, I had uh, actually years before, I had already made, uh, reached out and contacted a producer by the name of Domingo from Brooklyn. Domingo is a uh, classic boom bap hip hop producer. He used to work with a group called Boogie Monsters. He's worked with Brass Cass, Sean Price, Cool G Rap. I mean, he's a classic boom bap, boom bap hip hop uh, producer. And uh, he's worked with uh, nonfiction, Ill Bill, people like that. East Coast classic, classic East Coast 90s, 
traditional hip-hop. So I had actually reached out to him in 2000, 2001, around that time. Uh, he was working on a label called Yosumi, Y-O-S-U-M-I, Yosumi Records. And uh, they had put out, his label had released a uh, single called Super Brooklyn, which basically used a Mario Brothers beat, and it was Smith & Wesson from Boot Camp Click rhyming over uh, the Mario Brothers beat, and that was out on Domingo's label. So I caught wind of that. I looked at the website. I got the email address. I sent him uh, a shot of my email. He gave me a mailing address. I ended up sending him a CD. Uh, this is back before I even went, to, went by the name of Merc Versus, and he resp uh, responded, and then we lost contact, and then years later, I got in contact with him again in the days of MySpace. So that was like a span, like from 2001 all the way to 2007, a good strong five, six years that uh, I hadn't spoken to him. And when I finally reached out to him again on MySpace, he embraced me and he said, you know, I'm doing this contest and make an entry. So I sent him a song. He said, look, we've already chosen a winner and it's not you, but I still want to work with you. Now, we can put out a single because whoever won the contest, the deal was Domingo was going to uh, – manufacture and distribute a, a CD single for that artist. And I forget who won, but either way it goes, we ended up discussing things. He said he wanted to work with me anyway. He sent me a track, and uh, and the track ended up being the Human Shields remix, which featured Sia Soze. Because at that point, I'm working with uh, the Cutthroats, and Sia Soze was a part of Cutthroats. And I, not to say it was gullible, but... Uh, as time went by, I learned to be more uh, secretive about things, not so much secretive, but more uh, reserved, I should say, about things when dealing with people because some people don't have the tact or the, uh, or, or, or the morals. I would say music morals. That's something, a phrase that I want to coin. Some people don't have the music morals to realize, you know, even if they, quote, unquote, uh, came from a, a street background, that, you know, you don't step on people's toes. If I'm discussing a connect with you or somebody that I'm working with, you don't go behind my back and start trying to deal with that connect and basically shit all over what I'm trying to establish because I could do more for the team than you could. Because if you can't tell by now, not to sound like an arrogant asshole, but I'm a pretty articulate person. I know how to concisely detail what I want to get out of something, and I'm good at evaluating situations, and I'm good at... uh. Uh, communicating uh, what I want out of a situation and, and stating my purpose and my plan and that's that's what I try to do I've, I've trained myself to do that so basically I was excited that Domingo had to work with me and I said hey here's this beat you know Sai Soze I want, I want you to get on this track because you know you're my boy we're doing shows Sai Soze never heard didn't know Domingo from a can of paint didn't know him from a can of paint Goes behind my back, starts talking to him on MySpace, starts working with him, dealing with him. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is six years in the making. Do you understand? This is six years in the making. I, I, I ordered uh, Domingo behind the doors of the 16th, uh, 13th, behind the doors of the 13th floor, which was a cassette album that he released. I had to special order that from Karma Records years prior to that, like in the late 90s, early 2000s. It was actually around 2000. 99, 2000, when I ordered that. That was like one of the early appearances of Eminem was actually on that album. 
and uh, Godsons and Razzcaz was on that album. So I was familiar, Boogie Monsters. I was familiar with Domingo. This is something like, see, this is what I look at with music, music morals. This, my heart's in this. You know, I'm not new to this. I'm true to this. So all those cassettes I used to collect when I was younger and CDs, that all matters to me. I was more concerned with the, the substance of the music and the art than I was all the fanfare and bullshit and, uh, and trying to step on people's toes and, and trying to see how, how much you can one-up somebody. My one-up, like I said, a meritocracy. My one-up was going to be, can I get somebody that's in the game that I respect to look at me and be like, you're respectable as an MC. You're great. You have talent. That's, that's worth money because they might take you under, your, under their wing or they might be able to put you in a position where you can get some more notoriety. So basically he went behind my back and started dealing with Domingo. And you know what? I can be, I can hold grudges, but I can also be a, a forgiving person, right? So this producer named Domingo, I, I pretty much let that go because I look at it like this. You, you take over this planet, I'm moving on to the next world. You know, that's just how I act. That's just how I am. I, there's always another opportunity available. And for somebody that's intelligent and articulate and able to uh, to uh, speak for himself well and knows what you want out of something, you shouldn't, uh, you know, not necessarily hold grudges, but you shouldn't dwell on the past. So I kept it moving. But as I said before, I still, in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm, I've got a checklist on people's character, their music morals, right? And this transcends music. But when you deal with people, you can say, okay, well, after somebody bullshits you 10 times, you can say, you can pretty much say, okay, well, here's 10 times where this person bullshitted me. So this person is a bullshitter, right? So when you see them, that's what you're going to see, hashtag bullshitter on their forehead, right? Because that's how it works. That's how you evaluate someone's character. So when you're in the world, you're judging people based on the merit of their actions. That's how I do it. So I... I'll, I'll, I'll loan someone faith when I meet somebody. If I think somebody's cool or talented or, or, or somebody reaches out to me or I reach out to them, I will loan you faith, right? And it's up to you to fuck it up. You know, it's like credit. So once you fuck up that faith, that good faith, you have to redeem yourself somehow in order to get it back. So after 10 times of being a bullshitter, you might have to actually come through in the clutch 20 times in order for you to get that hashtag off your forehead, you know? So that's that's how I evaluate someone's character. It's based on their actions because how else would you do it? I'm not going to place blind faith in any person, no matter who they are. So judging by his actions, I forgave him. We kept it moving. But in the back of my mind, and eventually when this came to a head and I actually told him about this, there had to be a couple other things that happened before I actually brought this up. And then he kind of lightweight came at me like I was holding something in, like I didn't bring it to the forefront. And, you know, that, that might be a character flaw of mine where I don't address problems until uh, they've built up to the point of no return. And that's what I've been working on for years you know, the small problems can become big ones if not put in check. And I think that's a leadership flaw that I have. But uh, so he might have been right in that assumption. But uh, at any account, at any rate, uh, he ended up leaving the group, too, for his own reasons. You know, after 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 that Muncie Music Fest, he, you know, I'm too good for this. I'm as and, uh, 
I'm not I'm not getting the notoriety or the the platform that I need. So I'm gonna hop off hop off the uh, off the train at this stop. So there you have it. So now we're down to just eight of us, I believe. Seven. Yeah, seven of us. Myself, Stone Messiah, Man Called Relic, Science Born, and the three guys, Big Pipe, Shakesy, and Wooden Chains from uh, Laporte. Right? This story I'm telling about this group can really be applied to a lot of different things. So even if you're not really getting what I'm saying, I'm talking about music for those that are watching right now. I'm talking about stuff that involves like local artists, independent artists, and, and their interactions and egos and stuff like that. But this can apply to anything. It can apply to, uh, like I said earlier, a, a team of workers. It can apply to a sports team. It can apply to a family. It, it's basically about people, you evaluating uh, the the actions of others and, and how egos, it's like a game of ego bumper cars, life is sometimes, especially in music, because to me, I think people's personalities are so magnified and, and people are so sensitive when it comes to music because everyone thinks they're an artiste, you know, not artist. They think they're an artiste and they're so uh, high and mighty with how they look at things that, you know, often they can be easily offended, you know. People think every everything that you say is about them. Oh, did he did he disrespect me? I just saw he woke up and said he was in, eating eggs this morning, and I just made a post about eggs. So what is that? Is that like some kind of diss? Is he sneak dissing me? I mean, you know, people with egos think that everybody's talking about them. But pretty much the group was at at that point. We tried to keep it moving and move forward, but you know, some of the problems reared their ugly head. I still stayed in contact with some of these people, and uh. Dissolved because it got to the point of no return when we started meeting uh, people that we actually had respect for, you know, and everybody started dispersing and every man for himself. But uh, I'm getting a little long-winded with this. I'm going to continue with like a second part of this maybe later. I'm going to try to download and repost this on my on my blog, which is uh, uh, Industry Rules of Networking. Dot wordpress.com iron i know it's a long url industry rules of networking dot wordpress.com iron i r o n it's a blog series i've been a little late So you can get on stage and brag about the paper you got Jealous haters get shot for talking this shit, but wait you forgot You the opening act tonight, you gotta pay for a slot Headliner overpriced, B-level celeb In a business full of biters that will sever your head And greedy middlemen scavengers that wrestle for bread You think you politic and dealing with the devil instead And these 
Telling lies, sticks is high like they last whole pasta noose. Pop is youth culture, many played the role of prostitutes. You ain't invited after party in the brothel booth. Security will throw you out if you attempt to stop abuse. Media circus fake interviews with managers. YouTube bonanza, male groupies with cameras. Stars at local bars, 15 minutes of fame. For dollar signs, but are you qualified to get in the game? Huh? This is now that's born to form images and ultrasound. In the rap business, and you wanna be promoters down. They try to sell you dreams and tell you how the culture sounds. You need ID, they chillin' in the VIP Ultra Lounge. This is now that's born to form images and ultrasound. In the rap business, and you wanna be promoters down. They try to sell you dreams and tell you how the culture sounds. You need ID, they chillin' in the VIP Ultra Lounge. Jackie's mixtape, radio, or club And the starving artists hit them up, they never show you love Give them your demo as is, ad-libs and overdubs Requesting airplay, no pay, they hit you with the shoulder shrug You wanna knock them out the box, Rick, golden gloves No unity in hip-hop music, we hold the grudge All these undercover thugs who never load a slug They squeaky clean like soap suds, not hustling, just smoking bud and that's the straw that broke the camel's back I know you think you hardest than flyers But can you rap? Fashion is your specialty Your microphones you handicap Not dissing, just constructive criticism You can't handle that You're delusional You daydream record deals Like you 18 Struggle for mainstream sex appeal To get a call from an industry exec You kneel and perform fellatio for radio Instead of rep the real This is knowledge born to form Images and ultrasound In the rap business And you wanna beat promoters down They try to sell you dreams and Tell you how the culture sound Need ID, they chillin' in the VIP Ultra Lounge This is knowledge born to form Images and ultrasound In the rap business And you wanna beat promoters down They try to sell you dreams And tell you how the culture sound Need ID, they chillin' in the VIP Ultra Lounge Hey, how you been doing? I haven't seen you in a long time Doing good, man How you feel doing? Pretty good Well, that's good to hear I just wanted to let you know I wanted to get running by you We have the uh, Worldwide Flapjack Tour Going on in the Midwest We need to get on board oh, It's man. only $300 ticket buy I might be able to do that Yeah, VIP access You can go backstage And meet oh. the Flapjack band VIP, that sounds pretty good Yeah, yeah you definitely want to be a part of this uh, I would if I was you Well, okay I might be able to do that Alright, well, I'll talk to you soon I will be emailing you That PDF format contract You sign that and get that right back to me Let's get this dough. No doubt. 